Hello, everybody. This is Airman Jan with the 97th Air Mobility Wing Command Team, as always, Colonel Baker and Chief Flores. And we are joined here by First Lieutenant Rogers from our mighty 97th LRS. And uh, gentlemen, welcome back to the studio. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having us. We're doing awesome. Yeah, we're doing great. Loving the new mics. Loving yeah. that they're freshly minted. We still have uh, fresh instructions on how to <laughs> use them. That's how you know they're new. Yeah. Airman uh, Jans is professionalizing this one episode at a time. Yes. Up the game. Yes, so sir. For, for our audience out there, this, this, like, the feeling that you have right now that you're sitting in the room with us is all due to Airman Jantz's ingenuity and resourcefulness. Appreciate that. So thanks yeah. for that. We're doing great. Yeah, life's good. Yeah. And we've got our logistics readiness squadron lieutenant, Lieutenant Rogers, out here with us, which is Thank awesome. You. It's a great Very day. happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's dive right into it. Uh, <laughs> lieutenant Rogers, um, can you kind of give us a background where where you came from, how how you made it into the uh, into the Air Force life? All right, sure. Um, so I am a military brat, but I call Air Force uh, Virginia home nowadays. Uh, I went to school at Boston University and then commissioned there out of there. Did ROTC, um, and then my first station was Kadena Air Base, and I was in the LRS there. It's the largest LRS in the Air Force. Um, so I got a great foundation as an LRO and an LT. Um, and then I was lucky to get Altus as my second assignment. And I've been here for almost two years now. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll be heading off to my next assignment at Tule Airport, Air Base Greenland. You're going to Greenland. Wow, that's incredible. Logistics Readiness Officer, yes, LRO. Mm -hmm. What a cool story coming from Boston. Were you following, I just gotta ask, were you following the NBA Finals? I I had a lot of friends who were posting about it, so I did. Okay. Was By default? Yes, I was following it via them. But um, I'm usually a New York sports fan team, like okay. sports fan. So you mentioned you have a lineage, like a military background. Yeah. What, yes, what she, is it? Um, so my mom was Air Force, uh, and she retired out of the Pentagon. Uh, she was Intel, and then my grandfather was Army um, and retired out of uh, Fort Eustis. And I have uh, uncle and cousins in the army and the navy. Wow! So rich history. Yeah. Rich military history. Military family. That's cool. Really cool. Yeah. So you were. You had a lot of good role models probably to look up to as you got started. Is it? Is it? Do you feel like you were well prepared? And is it everything you expected? So I think. By the way, um, while you think about that answer, I think it's really cool that we're making our way um, up the up the chain, so to speak, and we we've got into our company grade officer category here, and it's. It's really cool how this story, I think, is is gonna is gonna be woven together between where we started here and now up to uh, up to our first lieutenant that we have, which is cool. So, you, you feel like you're prepared and ready for your Air Force journey? I definitely feel like my family has given me a lot of stories and a lot of advice, um, and then my detachment, I would say, prepared me really well. I had some awesome cadre to thank uh, that brought me up, and then. You know, my on my first assignment, we had, I think, 13 CGOs in our squadron alone. Um, and so the, we were always looking out for each other. And so I got a great foundation that way. Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually going to ask you, uh, with the CGOs, how is it like when you guys are moving from 
airbase from base to base you know the support system you know you're leaving one group of cgos to go to another one how how is that in in your life does it make it easier to transition so i i would say growing up as a military brat uh where we moved pretty frequently i think i went to six different schools between k through eighth grade so i was used to you know knowing which lunch table to sit at the first day of school um but you know the cgos here at cadena and then here at altus have been so welcoming and it's just hey you're new all right we're doing this thing come with us and it's like okay and all right there's our, there's your friends so you think you're growing up as a military child do you think it helped prepare you for that adaptability and definitely being able to roll with the punches yes, sir. yeah that's um you know chief and i we, we've got little ones and so uh, I, I love to hear those stories you know i'm sure it has this challenges as well too like you said you know being being the new kid to school how many times did you move quite a few sounded like i i, I would say i think eight total moves yeah. um and then we, we were fortunate that my mom retired while i was in high school so i didn't have to change high schools which okay. was really lucky yeah uh but colonel baker with your experience I don't want to say a long time ago, but a long yeah, time ago, when you were when you yeah. were a CGO, can yeah. can you relate to the lieutenant's uh, kind of feeling of the the CGO family? Yeah, I think I think one thing when we one thing this is a good thing to hit on. I think with the with the officer corps, and there is a, a sense of collegiality that that I think is that stands the test of time, or at least should stand the test of time. I think it's one of the tenets of of good officership is that. Your teammates around you obviously bring you into the fold at every turn. And I think we have this at every level. I mean, I think airmen have their their colleagues that they're tight with and NCOs and senior NCOs. And, but also at the officer corps, because the, the dynamic of a new lieutenant coming into our Air Force is a lot of the preparations they'll have, certainly they'll have life experiences. They'll have some of their academic experiences. But they're not going to have that deep military operational experience to lean on. So they're they're going to have to have that network of uh, collegial, a collegial environment around them of their CGOs, and then, you know, of course, they're going to have to to find that senior NCO mentor and connect there and and make sure that um, you know they're they're getting that credibility while they're while they're learning and getting their feet underneath them. So we didn't clarify um, when you mentioned your mom and your grandma, your grandpa mm-hmm. and your uncle. Were they enlisted or officers? They were officers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so as you as you came up, I mean, were they your role models? And you know, I would definitely say my mom is my biggest role model. You want to give her a shout out? This is part of the thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess shout yeah, out to my mom. Yeah. Well, yeah, Donna. She, I'm. You know, she has always been the person who gives me advice, yeah. even when I'm just trying to vent uh, to her, and it's like. Just had a bad day. I really don't need advice on how I could have handled that situation better. But uh, you know, she she's always there for me and always has my back. So oh, that's awesome. Well, shout out to Miss Donna. Yeah, hey Donna, if you're listening, if and when you pull us up on the debrief episode number (laughs) five, five. um, Thanks for growing a a a great Air Force officer. We're excited to to have you on episode five. So that's cool. Yeah, man. So you. Just wow, Kadena, right off the bat. Uh, that is a busy, busy base. I yes. think it's the population wise, the largest Air Force base uh, in our inventory. So, uh, did you do the same job at both locations? Uh, 
so I was in LRO at, at, you know, both here and there. Um, I started out as a ground transportation OIC. Um, and so my first section, like the first day in the Air Force, <coughs> was 140 people. Um, so that was great. I had a senior master sergeant in my section alone, and that was just such a great basis to enter the Air Force in. Um, and then I moved over to be a fuels operation OIC as well. Um, and then I came here and I was the deployment and distribution flight commander, and now I'm the aerial operations flight commander. So. Okay, so what would you say is one of the biggest lessons you learned from Kadena that you brought here and were able to implement right away? Leadership or management? Preferably leadership so our, our listeners can uh, relate a little better. I'd say that's a tough question, but I, I think I learned right off the bat task management. With Kadena, it's so uh, go, go, go that you, know, you have to take care of the ca- task then and there um, because you don't know if you're going to be hit with, you know, hey, we got to deal with this more pressing situation later. Um, but, and then leadership, I, I learned, I got an, a great front row seat on how to m- mentor and develop airmen, especially at, you know, like 140 at a time, you know, that, that was a lot, but to see my seniors counsel NCOs of, Hey, this is what you need to be doing. Um, and then, you know, coming to Altus, I was able to ask those questions of my senior NCOs that I then rated on as a flight commander. Hey, what are we doing for these NCOs? What are we doing for our airmen to develop them? So. You're paying it forward, applying those lessons that you learned Yes. there, which is phenomenal. Exactly. I'd say she's paying it forward tenfold, because yeah. one thing we haven't mentioned is that uh, you were just recently our, our CGOC president. Yes, sir. And uh, we talk about historic and first of its kind Officer Leadership Academy. Yeah. Yeah, it was, was brought yours. You know, I, I will give it to the senior NCOs. Uh, it was originally Air oh, Power yeah. Leadership Academy, but um, y'all took it and made it your own, and it was very successful. I would say out of all of our um, courses that we have proliferated here, that was the one that's been probably the most successful as far as the feedback that I saw at the graduations. Yeah, really grassroots and your leadership on the company grade officer council as the president made a huge difference. And I agree with Chief on that. I think it is one of the most high value, high return on investment, professional developments that we have. And it was uh, pretty awesome to see you see you lead, you know, right out of the gate and, and pay it forward and pay back. That's great. Yeah. I, I feel like I learned so much every single week, not only from the mentors, but also the students. Um, and I just, I felt like every week I would leave the chapel classroom and be like, oh, I feel very blued. <laughs> so. Perfect, yeah. That's that's important. You know, what really made it a great course is that we had some some officers there. Uh, they were rated. Uh, I'll just throw it out there. And uh, uh, they were very frank and said, you know, I really didn't want to come. I was told to do the course. But on graduation night, they were probably the most invested. Yeah. And uh, their last task was to brief their leadership philosophy. And I know two of them specifically came afterwards and said, our folks need this. Our, our, our officers at this level, the CGO level, to be able to come up with that um, was, was pretty amazing. Um, and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of their career, regardless of what they do, whether it's do their, ten, their four to 10 years or uh, continue down making a military career. It was, they said that was a great way to do it. And um, perhaps we don't do that enough with some folks here. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that, you know, it's that conversation about, and, and part of that is the art of leadership, it's coaching. It's 
trying to find that space where you know we always want to be sensitive with with our team's um, time but we also want to find those opportunities to grow and sometimes folks don't know that they need to be grown in in certain ways and when it's something like that which is grassroots in the case of the officer leadership academy and you take a look at the agenda that you built and the curriculum that you built for it and it's super high protein stuff you know leading in the gray making the hard call those kind of things are things that really build some skill sets in our officer for so and, and i agree with chief what he's talking about there is sometimes you know folks you know we we need that nudge for, for the right things and when you nudge somebody into growth the way a coach uh gets gets folks ready through you know through hard practice and um, through sometimes things that that may feel inconvenient at the time but at the end of the day they they pay huge dividends and i think it's a case of getting it right on that so i, I agree with the chief and and i think the what the support officers learned from the rated officers in the room was equally as valuable. I don't think we necessarily understood what a CGO pilot does, at least at Altus, and hearing their perspective of like, okay, now we understand why you necessarily don't have the time to always, uh, you know, interact with the CGOC uh, at a usual base is because, you know, you're on the road so much flying. And so that was really eye-opening to hear their perspective as well. Yeah. And then I think the conversation really gets to progress, which is, well, what space can we interact mm-hmm. in? And how do we make this valuable for each? And, and you're going to find, and Chief and I talk about this all the time, and, and maybe you've seen it and, and love to hear your thoughts, but that ability to, to interact cross-function only becomes more important the more responsibility you have and the more senior you are. So it is a critical skill. And so learning, you know, what those, how to figure out those contact points and how to communicate mm-hmm. between the different functions is, is crucial. And so that, that, that alone and of itself, what you're hitting on there is a, is a big, a big takeaway and a positive return on investment for the program. Yeah. Chipped away. I would say the biggest divide in our air force is probably the rated community, CGO rated community, with the support community, there's a, and it's not a like they don't want to be around each other. Uh, they're just fulfilling different mission sets, or different levels of uh, of learning. Uh, CGOs could be a flight commander, or they could be a co-pilot mm-hmm. that's barely learning their craft, and, and uh, that takes a lot of time and effort uh, on that side of the house. Um, but the fact that we did OLA here helped uh, really chip away at that, and really get into where they're at, get them talking. And yeah, I know being an ops group coming from an MSG. Uh, that's the biggest difference I saw. And uh, I saw they want to be invested, but when I talked to the rated folks, they said, you know, I guess because we're surrounded by a hundred other uh, flying officers, we never really see the need to go mm-hmm. over there where y'all are on, a, on an island sometimes where it's you and, like you said, a hundred and hundred plus uh, enlisted airmen. Mm-hmm. And uh, they look at you for leadership and guidance while you also lean heavily on your enlisted. Yeah. So, interesting I, thing. It, no, it really is. I think what you find is there's more commonalities than than you think and and like chief said you know that perceived divide is is really not it's not as wide as you think once you actually like we said find that space to figure out how to connect and how to communicate certainly there's there's differences in the functions and that's why we have functions but i think the fundamentals of leadership that you're going to find are are universal in many ways sometimes you have to apply 
a functional skill set, but the actual mechanics of leadership are, I, I would offer their, their universal uh, to a pretty high degree. And so, and you know, that's what you'll find too, which is cool. Yeah, it was really interesting because OLA was so discussion-based to hear, uh, you know, a young second lieutenant, hey, I had this problem at work this week. And to hear, you know, a, a pilot give their perspective on how they would solve it, and to hear some maybe an OSS uh, flight commander how they would solve it and they're from large flights so it was it was really interesting to see how they would take on that situation and that challenge and and you know you learn from that and took away a lot of good things from yeah and I think on the culmination you know where that really became evident is where we saw the leadership philosophies, and so Chief and I got to sit in on, on all of the graduates' leadership philosophies. That was the culmination of the Leadership Academy, and they were all phenomenal. And the level of thought that went into it was amazing. But on the whole, they weren't that far apart. you know. And so different people had different takes based on their personality, based on their different life experiences, but you'll find that the fundamentals were pretty closely aligned, which I think brings it all kind of full circle on that. Just fun. It was a, that was a fun, fun engagement. And, and by the way, Chief, I am uh, not not apologetic at all. Um, and I think it's a great thing that the genesis of that came from our enlisted corps, came from our senior NCOs who, through the Air Power Leadership Academy, mm-hmm. developed the bones of it um, through, through their professional development. And it was a great collaboration with the company Greg Officer Council to develop an officer version. And we can and should do that. You know, that, that crosstalk um, goes both ways and really powerful. And I think that was part of the key to getting it right. Absolutely. No, that was good. So I got to ask, ma'am, uh, you know, there's so many facets of what makes uh, being, a, being a leader in the Air Force such a fulfilling job. In your career, what has been one of the, the moments that made you realize, like, wow, this is why it's, it's amazing to serve? Whether it's helping somebody out or getting the mission done uh, when it looked maybe like it wasn't going to happen uh, or just some other kind of thing that, that to me those are moments that just uh, um, reaffirm our oath or uh, service to, to our country i would say uh I, I don't i can't think of one specific moment it's it's several moments that have happened throughout my career and i would say the first time i was asked to do a reenlistment like that that was probably one of the Colonel Baker's raising his hand over here. <laughs> One of the most exciting moments for me as a lieutenant um, to be asked to do that, because to me it's an honor. Like you enlisted could choose any person that, any officer that they wanted to, or technically not a, at all. And they, you know, a- asked me to do it. And they, and so that was really impactful to me. And then getting to go to ALS graduations I love going to my airmen's graduations or being invited to go um, because that is the first time in the Air Force that they are graduating from a professional military education course. And I know how much hard work that they had to put into that. And, you know, seeing how they've changed over those six-ish weeks, I think, and and what they're ready to bring back to the shop and what they're, what they're ready to change and the airmen that they're ready to lead. It's it's really inspiring to watch that. So I love getting to go to those events and getting to do re-enlistments. So your first re-enlistment, did you memorize it from the get-go or did you have to use oh, it? Oh, 100%. I wasn't going to 
I'm going to read off the card. Yeah, so we underestimate how powerful real listeners really are. I mean, you, you talk about people join initially, they a lot of people, I would dare say, don't really know what they're getting into, and they commit anywhere from 46 years on the enlisted side. Mm-hmm. But we underestimate how powerful real listening means. It means that uh, good, bad, ugly, I understand it, and I'm willing to commit myself and my family to the institution for another, uh, for potentially your life. And I agree that the fact that uh, when our enlisted ask a specific officer to do them that honor along with their family, I mean, I, I don't think there's very few things that are, that are more honorable and powerful than that. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have any, and I agree with that, because fundamentally what you're talking about is that that's growing airmen, you know, between ALS and the enlisted, but you're, you're seeing an airman grow, you're seeing them recommit, which is really cool. And from, from your perspective, you know, in, in terms of memorable ones for you or people you've asked, What's the symbolism, you know, you hit on a little bit, but some of those same things from, from y'all's perspective when, when you've hit reenlistments? Well, I've had two. I think I always talk about one. Uh, I, shortly after 15 June 2007 in Iraq, uh, my flight commander then, uh, a captain, um, Captain uh, Jason Daniel, he reenlisted me on melted engine block. Uh, that, that was an IED attack uh, a few months prior, which was awesome. And then I had... And frankly, I've, I've had I've had CGOs relist me the entire way. Some of them have been big. Some of them have been let's grab a little flag from their uniform as the background and uh, let's go in this room and, and, and relist me on the spot. And but they, they were all I think for they were purposeful uh, for that officer to make sure that they realized uh, what was at stake. And I had one that got into a little bit of trouble and bounced back. And I was so moved by how much he owned uh, his transgression that. Uh, he came for me for count. He came to me for counseling, and uh, um, I was able to tell my survival story, but also how I've had CGOs reenlist me, and how I wanted him to do it in front of a bunch of CGOs as well over at Mildenhall. So that was a that's a pretty powerful moment too. As yeah, well. it's a really powerful moment, and I think we I, to your point, I think we undervalue the symbology and the importance of. of you know, it's easy to get, it's easy to normalize those um, to a way where they become routine. But, but I think the conversation we're having, and I agree with all y'all, I think they're extremely important. Um, I think the fact that, you know, Lieutenant Rogers takes time to memorize it, which I do as well, um, that says something. Uh, I, I think, you know, that's your skin in the game and you taking the time to, you know, to put it to memory sends a message and, and it's, it shows that you uh, that you care. But, but it also, to, to what we're saying here, I think it adds a degree of, um, it, it, it adds a degree of importance and demonstrates that you care. And I noticed that when you mentioned your two powerful moments, uh, it's all about, it's all about your airmen. Uh, that was very evident. It wasn't about how you won an award or got recognized for mm-hmm. doing a great job. It was all how you gave back uh, to your airmen. And as a chief, the fact that it's enlisted airmen, you didn't, even even more awesome, I think. <laughs> so it's pretty cool to hear you share. Well, Chief, I'm an LRO. I have been leading airmen. I feel like if it's not about them, then I really shouldn't be in. You know, it, it, I there's so few times where I'm just going to be in charge of myself and myself only. I usually will be in a position where I'm responsible for airmen, and so you know, their successes are, have always you know been my successes. So. Yeah, a lot of times. Aside from the big maintenance bases, the LRS is one of the bigger, if not the biggest squadrons 
across the installation. So yeah, it's uh, comes with a big responsibility in terms of numbers of uh, of leadership and breadth of breadth of leadership. Pretty impressive and cool. Did you want to be a log from the very beginning? By the way, I studied operations management in college so yes i yeah. i definitely wanted that as one of my top choices um so that i could use my degree so that's awesome well when you look at if you if you look at the most recent case of um, what's going on in ukraine and, and some of russia's challenges there logistically has proven you know that in terms of the ability to project power and for logistics and in our business obviously air mobility that is the enabler for our forces to fight forward and I think it's it's pretty evident that in the way that conflicts playing out just underscores the importance of logistics overall and so that is your you know that's your bread and butter and I think it's really cool that you have the the touch point here at mobility's hometown to to get a feel for the heavy lift side and the air refueling side of things to see how that how that works and so yeah it was definitely proud as a logistician to see on a world stage how do you remember important what, remember what general blackjack blackjack purging said about logistics no so he was the the commander of, of uh, our dough boys in world war one he said uh, the infantry wins battles uh logistics wins wars mm. which i thought was pretty cool absolutely and you know that this this comes back to a conversation about you know the highly professionalized logistics force that we have with our loggies and LROs and you know everybody in, in the community um, it's great to hear you get it and you know that passion for what you wanted to do and applying the skill sets you had I think is is good too and so I think you're whoever had that formative you know you already gave your shout out um, yes. to mom and everybody else but it's great to see it all culminate and I think it was also great because it showed to our young airmen who've only known Altus and the training mission here, um, hey, your job is important and there's a reason why we're doing it. This is this is what happens if we don't do it right. Yeah, I, I was just making this case today, LT, about how um, I'm trying to move the team off of saying it's just training. I think when we say it's just training, we really have a way of minimizing the importance of what we do. I think when people say that, uh, I don't begrudge, I think where they're coming from, which is what they're trying to have is a risk conversation. They're trying to couch the risk. And, and certainly in the environment we operate, you know, we look at the risk to mission and force a little differently than we do to somebody who's at a forward operating base, mm-hmm. right? That is, a, that is a completely fair discussion, but. I think when we when I hear it's just training, um, that's that's not the essence of what they're trying to say. And when you look at any high performing organization, it's actually the training pipeline that is the seed and is the foundation for all of that. And when with an operation like we have, which you know, because you're you're at the pointy end of this operation, seventy percent of air mobility forces, any impact to that training pipeline is going to have have cascading effects across our system. So that's something that I'm particularly passionate about that I've been uh, kind of having a lot of discussions about lately and you hit on it. So I appreciate you bringing that up. It's good. And understanding that. And I'm sure that translates out to your airmen in the field, which is cool. 
right. <laughs> I know we're about to be. All right, <laughs> Lieutenant Rogers. Do you, do you want? We've talked about the cup every single time. You it's got always it there. here. I've always got my notes. I'm, got I'm always prepared for <laughs> for when you gentlemen show up. You know. Uh, but, you never know uh, what you're gonna get. You yeah, right. you actually have the hardest job. Oh my gosh! But uh, one question that I, I ask uh, throughout every podcast is what what really motivates you? And I feel like we've touched on this, but if there's something specific, you know, that gets you out of bed every morning, I don't know if you're part of the 5 a.m. club, but like chief over here, but <laughs> but if there's something that gets you out of bed every day that motivates you, what what is that? I I would say I'm most motivated when I'm able to advocate a new opportunity for my airmen. Um, there are so many things out there for my airmen um, to learn or you know experience, and so when I'm able to say, "Hey, I I think we should do this. It is, it will be beneficial for X Y Z reason. Can we go ahead and try it?" And then you know when the boss says, "Yeah, go ahead." And they come back and they're like, oh, you know, we experienced all these cool things. We never knew. We didn't know how, uh, uh, we didn't know all about this side of the Air Force or the Army. You know, it was, it's really gratifying to have them experience that. Uh, And one question I wanted to go back to, uh, we had mentioned, CGOs, officers in general, and their relationships with their with their senior NCOs and their NCOs. I wanted to ask you, you know, how how does that relationship with your senior NCOs and your NCOs how does that impact accomplishing the mission? I would say it's everything. Uh, without a good relationship, a strong relationship with my senior NCOs and my NCOs nothing would get done uh, or the mission would get done because they don't necessarily always need a flight commander to get the mission done. They, I don't, I'm not out there pushing pallets or turning wrenches every day. Um, but to my, to have a great re- trusting relationship with my senior NCOs has always been really important. Um, they, I think they say that from day one in ROTC, find a good senior NCO and, 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 and that's how you learn your first couple years. And I've been, uh, blessed with some awesome, uh, senior NCOs and chiefs. And have you ever had a challenging relationship with a senior NCO? I, I would say we have, I've had some where we have very different takes on how we approach leadership. But overall, the goal is, we both have the goal, of, hey, we want to take care of our airmen, get the mission done, and you know, make sure everybody is safe and trained. Um, it was just sometimes how we wanted to get at that was different, but I think over time, it just took time of, hey, this is how, you know, hey, I'm gonna default to your SME expertise, because as a logistics readiness officer, I will never be a subject matter expert in any flight that I go into. So I rely on, hey, when the senior NCO says, this is what I think is best, uh, I say, okay, that makes sense. Let's go with that. Or there are times where I'm like, I, I will question and say, hey, can we attack it from this angle? What will it hurt us if we do it this way? And luckily I've had some great senior NCOs that say, hmm, 
it's maybe not the way it's always been done, but I'll let you try it. And they're they're willing to let me uh, have these different opportunities. Why do you think that was? Why do you think they uh, supported you in those times? Other than obviously you outrank them. I, I, they were all learning opportunities. I would I would say not all of those. Hey, I want to have an idea. Let's try this. Were were successful, and and I would go back and say, all right, I think we should keep it the way it was, or I think we should go the way you said it was. And they're like, yep. Yeah. But at least, but I got to learn and I got to try, and so I'm always grateful for that. Yeah, I would say perhaps they trusted you. Uh, you know, we always talk about points of friction, um, and I tell people, what are you doing in that 99 percent? of time when there's no friction. Hopefully you're cultivating relationships based on trust. Mm-hmm. Like, like Colonel Baker likes to say, putting the, putting the shield down so they get to know you. Uh, there's a lot, you know, building a team and getting to know them as well and being vulnerable. But uh, it sounds like uh, you did all that and why they were willing to have your back if, uh, and share that risk with you when it comes to that. Yeah, sounds like trust to me. That's what trust sounds like. You know, willing to try something different, you know, it's in the approach. We, we talk about this this a lot. You know, there's in, in the business that we do, there's, there's certainly a time and a place for the go do. But like Chief said, most of the time, you know, it's a conversation about how do we how do we do this together and how do we how do we grow in the process and how can we look at this from, from an approach that that makes sense and do it do it collaboratively um, without without having to use, you know, the hard power to get things done. And so, again, you know, when needed, of course, time and a place for that. But, you know, trust looks like. How do we do it in a collaborative way, uh, and we reserve the um, the hard power or the we just need to go do for the times that are time sensitive yes. or they're urgent or they just have to be done. Now. So it's a great conversation. We could we could go so far down this rabbit hole because I love talking about this, but it's a you hit on some good stuff there, uh, Aaron Jansen. And what do you what do you look for from an airman's perspective? I was what do you look for in an, in an officer in a lieutenant? So what do you what do you look to see? You know, right away. Can you talk us through kind of how that goes? You know, let's say new lieutenant shows up. What are you looking for? So, and right away I can go back to uh, Lieutenant Bowles. Shout out, Lieutenant Bowles. We miss you. And I can go to uh, Lieutenant Silver are my two uh, officers that I've had the opportunity to work directly under. And I think the biggest thing, and this goes for all of my leaders, including my senior NCOs, is just their support. You know, if whether it's something, if there's a problem in the office, you know, they're there to be mediators of and uh, a non-biased opinion uh, when it comes to our products. If we have ideas, you know, I I like to have constructive feedback. You know, not not necessarily negative feedback it's it's constructive so that i can take that feedback and learn from it and that's that's the best way i personally learn you know and and this like i said this comes from my my lieutenants as well as my senior ncos um, and i think that's that's probably the top thing i look for your uh, from my leadership is is their support and their constructive feedback yeah, that's good. I that's that's awesome to hear from your perspective. I think it's helpful. I was thinking while you were talking about that. I think one of the challenges of being a lieutenant and LT, please please, please correct me to one hundred percent or provide your current perspective. I think one of the challenges is um, there's great pressure on a lieutenant to produce, and generally, I remember having a feeling of there's something to prove. 
now that has served me well from time to time. I'm, th that's one of the things where I look back, what'd you get right, what'd you get wrong as a young lieutenant. I think I probably put too much pressure on myself when I actually look back on it in hindsight. But um, I, I think that is something that, you know, a lieutenant has a unique, a unique pressure on them that you are new to the Air Force and there's a lot of eyes on you that are going to, you know, that are trying to figure out whether or not you're going to be successful um, in this in this great adventure we call the United States Air Force. And, and you know, the vast majority of the times, of course, our lieutenants are successful and there's many ways to mentor them too. But do you, do, do you feel that pressure? Is that a real pressure? Was it a real pressure or am I just? I would say as a second lieutenant at Kadena, it was stressful at times just because there was so much to learn because we go to our first base first before going to tech school. So not understanding anything about Air Force logistics was, it was, it was a lot to absorb really quickly and it was trying to make sure that I understood situations or sounded competent in explaining matters. Um, and then also being able to relate to my airmen and get to know them as a person. Um, so I, I did feel like there was some pressure, but I would say now um, as a first lieutenant, I know more of what is expected of me and yeah, so. Because I think that's that's the, you know, one of the hard parts is, um, you know, there is, there, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Aaron Jantz, but there, there is still a baseline level of competence that's needed as well. And so when somebody's brand new to an organization and they don't have the experience to lean on, they're going to have to find ways to, ways to find co competence in their job. And I think a lot of that can come down to what can I do as a leader? The things that LT here is talking about, like how do I bring my team in? How do I foster these ideas? How do I give them the space to to grow and the things that you do figure out, finding a way to get buy-in from your team is really important. It's hard, you're navigating a, a pretty difficult space. Yeah, Colonel, just something that popped into my mind is uh, having our leaders, our lieutenants, they don't, they don't do, they don't go to the same tech school as us enlisted. Uh, so when they can comprehend what we're doing, what what the work is we're doing the difficulty of it and they can really be empathetic toward toward an airman when gosh i'm struggling on this you know it's it's really taking some time up i you know i'm, I'm gonna be apologetic i'm sorry it's taking time but hey it, it's super difficult to do this one task you know when they can understand that uh, that's that's super awesome you know and in in my experience uh I, we've got a new lieutenant coming in and we're gonna he is gonna be back in the pit with us enlisted um what what it's not like a scary place what oh the pit the pit, the pit sorry the, the pit is cubicle city where uh us enlisted uh the junior enlisted sit um and you know we've got all our all our desktops and our laptops but we're gonna have our second lieutenant come in and he's going to, you know, he's going to be in the meat of it. You know, he's going to be able to see and hear, you know, all the stuff that goes on back there. He'll be able to witness. Wow. Okay. Jance is putting together a podcast. What, what all is the editing that's going into that? That way, when he does go off to tech school and learns his position and then comes back, he can hopefully understand, okay, these are the products we're putting out. This is what I can expect from my airmen. 
and I think I think that's awesome. From yeah. from set, uh, set from, them up for success. Love yeah. it. Send them this podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> pit. pit can be very scary or. Could be a snake pit. Yeah. It could be, it could be fun, <laughs> like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Chuck E. Cheese pit. pilot instructor training pit. There's lots yep. of pits. Yep. Plans Intel Tactics. I that's think that's a, a great idea, though. That is something that my senior NCOs did for me when I moved to the fuels management flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, hey, LT, for the next three weeks, you're not going to go to any meetings. Don't worry about any of them. Um, we want you to learn what our airmen do. So one whole week, uh, I was we were doing 12s, so I sat in the truck, and we were doing uh, hot pits. So you, you sit and you wait for a fighter jet to pull up, you fill them up, and then you just sit out in the hot Okinawan sun all day. And I really got to understand uh, my airmen's perspectives, and then I got to you know, do every single job in that flight of, for a couple weeks, and so that, was really eye-opening. I got to relate to them. To, so I actually knew what they did because um, the fuels management job is very technical. Uh, and then I was able to go to those meetings and say, hey, I, this is, you know, this is actually, I know actually what I'm talking about. That's the competence part. And you found a way to, you found a way to build that early. Power of a question. How, yes. how important is that in, in the stories that you've told here? LT, I mean, that is that is a really powerful way to build that competence, build the trust to your team. I think the other part you hit on is admitting when you don't get it right. Like you, you mentioned that in your yes. earlier story, like they didn't all work out. And I don't know, but what I've learned over time is that teams appreciate that when, look, it it didn't, this part did not go the way we thought it would. We're going to, we're going to go back to what works and having an honest conversation about that, that too. There's, there's a, there's a time for, and Chief and I have talked about this so many times, there's a time for, hey, this uh, this sucks team, you know. But there's always, in in my view, the the hope, and you always want to give your team hope at the end of that, that there's uh, a better way to get there or that we're going to do the way that, that we've known works. And so I think you having some honest conversations with your team is important too. Um, you, can't, you can't get up there and, you know, posture your team to go through a very difficult challenge um, when you get thrown curveballs that, that that are not fun from the environment or weather or name your name your condition that, that that's what I call the you know the conditions of you know hey team this this sucks we're getting rained on it's cold but we're gonna figure it out um, but I think that's that's kind of what you're what you're hitting on a few of those yeah, speaking of weather this we, we, this, your career seems like a lot of uh, rainbows and unicorns so far like you've had a great experience um, but I know you've, you've dealt with discipline. I'm, I'm certain of it, uh, and you know we don't like talking about it. But uh, I have to ask: How, how do you balance uh, accountability with compassion? I can, I'm can understand a scenario when, however, I feel there's standards for a reason, and so it's important that we uphold the standards, um, so that everyone understands hey this is the line you will not cross it and I can understand be compassionate for okay it was a mistake and it might not happen again however the standard is you know we need to hold you accountable and I, I am not on G-series orders so I am not actually punishing anyone I am it is more of a corrective tool and you know, LORs, LOCs, 
they at the end of the day they can be pulled out of a piff um, but they it's just I want you to get better I want you to learn from this situation so that we don't have to have this discussion again okay. yeah I love this and I, I mean I think we've we've hit this on a few different angles from time to time but I think the standards are what sets, sets us apart I, th I think our airmen want the standard I think they want to be held to a higher standard and being unapologetic about that is is perfectly appropriate and so to your conversation you know those corrective actions to get them back on track um, making sure that they understand the reason why you know there's the green the, the uniform of the united states air force means something we do a mission that involves life and death for our airmen and so the standards and discipline that we need to do that are are absolutely foundational to what we do and so i think uh your your approach on the, the standard is where it is i i generally think that that resonates um and when folks get sideways with it you know there's there's one or two ways to go and the vast majority of our folks correct 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 the action and they move on and they're stronger for it and so it's always again this goes back to there, there's always uh, uh hope and optimism at, at the end of every most stories all of them as far as i'm concerned yeah it's always good to understand where you fall on that spectrum um, like for me, I'm, accountability is my, my, my thing, so and usually I balance boss uh, on that one. I think it's important for our young CGOs to recognize where they fall on that spectrum and the, do their SEO balancing out when it comes to that. And if not, it's okay for you to tell them like, hey, I fall on this spectrum, this is where I need you to come with the argument, play devil's advocate to make sure that we're fair and balanced at the end of the day. So. Gentlemen, Lieutenant Rogers, we're wrapping up this episode. Uh, this went fast. Yeah, it this did. is new mics, uh, new yeah. jams, new. Uh, <laughs> same cup. Same coffee cup. Same coffee cup. And the epitome of proficiency here. Yeah. Efficiency, yeah. sorry. But I've got to ask you, gentlemen, uh, do you have any closing comments? Chief, anything that you're thinking about as we wrap it up I, like i said this was this was a really dynamic I, I love the way we're working up the working up the structure and really unique perspective to have a yeah so you know I, I think i told colonel baker and i, and I share with you like in the course that i have an affinity for for cgos or company grade officers it's such a unique position where you have to come in with a with curiosity uh humility um you're at a disadvantage when it comes to experience but it's it's your shop and you will uh, fall on the sword if something goes wrong there, and you're held accountable for that. And that's a uh, such a tremendous opportunity to be in. And uh, you, there's a lot of factors, and I think it's the crucible leadership when it comes to those formative years. Um, but I have such an affinity. So we're super proud of you. When we asked like who should be the CGO uh, that we interviewed, resoundingly, uh, your name was, was dropped. Uh, and it was obvious. I mean, not only do you handle business inside the LRS, but I mean. You're handling a lot of uh, big, big wing projects, uh, and, and wow, what a what a diverse path to go from Kadena to here, uh, the amazing patch at Altus, and now you're going to go to uh, Jolly Old Tuli. Mm -hmm. uh, we're super proud of you, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, and it's it's been a great perspective to get to get from you, and it is a crucible of leadership, and that, I think that's a little bit of what we were hitting on there, where you're coming in with low experience, but super high relative responsibility. And you, it's it's hard to get it exactly right. And from what we've seen and heard, and 
like Chief said, resoundingly, you're you're the you're the nomination, and we don't have a super scientific way of picking our lineup who comes <laughs> in. But each time, and I'm I'm confident that we have got it exactly right, and we we crowdsource it a little bit, and then we look for things like who has outside outsized impact, who is punching beyond their section and making waves good waves across the wing and so that's that's how you got here um you were a household name through many different circles and i think it was a really successful i love the shout out for your mom so to, to miss donna you said lieutenant colonel retired uh, colonel retired, colonel retired. um donna. let's get it right sir yeah let's get it right. <laughs> i did not i did not demote you uh colonel um how cool is that that you get to send a little shout out that direction and yes. clearly prepared you well? Right, what an honor. I mean, to think that the court of public opinion says this is the person, I mean, that's, that's a pretty amazing send out. Beyond OPRs or award packages, like these are the intangible data points that really set you apart when you leave and people actually remember you. And it's not because you want to be remembered, because of what you, of how you serve your I'm amazing. very thankful for this opportunity. I always love getting to work on my public speaking skills. Uh, I definitely thought it might have been a prank at first when I first received the email. You got punked? Are we dating yes. ourselves? Is that still yeah. a thing? You <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, you typically have one last little yeah. question, typically for the... Nothing for to dangle this time, huh? He's just he's just uh, geeking out over the, the microphone. No, no, no. But I, I did want to thank uh, Lieutenant Rogers for coming on out of a very wide pool of awesome CGOs across the space. I mean, you could probably name a number of other CGOs that could come on this podcast. And hey, you're representing and you represented really well. Um, and we really appreciate you coming on to this podcast. Um, but um, if nobody else has anything else, yeah, huge thank you again. Is, yeah. yeah, thank you. I mean, yep, huge. Your PCS, I mean, if you don't realize it, you're not just leaving a toolie, you're leaving a toolie this week, or you're leaving the local next area week. next week. Okay, so you should align. And and tomorrow. and that is going to be its own unique experience. We need to have a, a debrief, um, you know, five years in the future and see how this all went, like a like a you know a throwback Follow debrief. Up. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. where everybody is. We'll have a homecoming debrief and yes. try to find the lieutenant. Lieutenant Rogers, thank you. Safe travels to your next yeah. base. And I would call that a wrap. I think it's a wrap. For number podcast five number five in the books. Thank you, command team. Thank you, Lieutenant Rogers. We're wrapping up. Chief.